Welcome to Lock and Key Unlocked, a podcast about Lock and Key on Netflix, as well as the comic books by Joe Hill and Gabriel Rodriguez. I'm Alex. I'm Justin, a classically trained oh, actor. There we go. Oh, no, dude. <laughs> I'm Pete. And we are going to be talking about Lock and Key Season 3, Episode 7, Curtain. If you haven't watched Woo. it on Netflix, go check it out because spoilers, ho. But the short version here is we are going inside Gordy Shaw's head, a event oh, much man. anticipated by at least one member of our podcast yeah. here. Yeah. Maybe you've been talking about it all season. Yeah. I don't know. But once they get in there, they are on the search for a new key where that can draw things and make them come to life. It is Whoa. the final key that Frederick Gideon is looking for. And by the end of the episode, it looks like Gordy has died and everybody is trapped in his head. Yeah, this is first off, let's do tough a tough time. Check. Let's do a temp check. Justin, are you okay? Like we all wanted the Tempest really bad because the comics, I, it was bananas. But like, are you okay? How are you feeling? Can I, before the temp check, can I give a little bit of recap for anybody who hasn't read the comics or ever yeah. listened to this podcast before? I guess a weird but, episode just to jump in fresh. Yeah. I'm going to check out the second to last episode ever on a podcast. <laughs> It, it, Here we go. It happens. It, it happens. You mean to download the latest episode of WTF? Instead, you get Lock and Key Unlock Season 3, Episode 7. Penultimate. There you go. Anyway, in the comic books, there was a big flashback event that happened where the original Keepers of the Keys did a production of The Tempest. They used a number of keys to make it the biggest blowout high school production of The Tempest of all, of all time. time. Of I all mean, time. come on. Let's just say it. It's and the greatest version of the what, Tempest. Well, I mean, Jennifer. I could say that I, I've done ah! some good versions, too. <laughs> you have no keys. There weren't real people flying around. Come on, bro. The real key is your acting choices. <laughs> Interesting. Well, anyway, Justin, to get back to the temp checks, you've been looking forward Tempest to check. all season. Temp and Tempest check. All season. And in fact, probably since the beginning of the show, you've wanted to see this Tempest production. This is... Definitely one of the most gorgeous spreads that Gabriel Rodriguez has ever yeah. uh, drawn. Oh. It's absolutely beautiful, so go check it out in the book if you haven't. But instead, we get little hints of it. We get teases of it in this episode, but we do not see the full thing. Are you Which out? Sh- Is that it I, for you? I'm not you out, out, of course. <laughs> you know, and despite the fact that I didn't get sort of what I wanted out of this episode, I love this episode and uh, was, like, <laughs> scarred by the end of it. Oh, but let God. me say... What I love about the Tempest moment in the comic is they've had these keys for, you know, they're the keeper of the keys. They have this magic. And it's so childlike to be like, let's make a great high school production of it. It's like the opposite. It's like sort of Dodge's goals with the keys. Like, I just want to, like, be a tiny duke of this little New England town and have a couple Uh, demons that do my shit. uh, The opposite of Gideon, who just wants to destroy everything. Now, speaking of which, what did you think of Caliban? I mean, this had to have right, been so, so, like so, the, go ahead. the fact on, that again, it's we got to give a little bit of context. Hold on, Pete. Yeah, well, let me just say so. Like, Same that, Shakespeare. That, like here's, here's the thing. Just to also give a big meta step back. What Pete is enjoying is this is a rare opportunity for him to raz Justin. Yeah, <laughs> it's true. He's true. living I mean, it up. The tables have truly been turned, and um, I'm going to have to really examine my behavior in the future. Uh, but no, what I was trying to say is I love – I feel like that's such a, 
a great theme or just a great um, emblematic moment of the comic book where it's about this magic and doing the most kid things possible with this magic that has an edge of danger to it. And them sort of using the keys to put on a great high school production and show it to the world without showing it to the world, I thought was such a cool metaphor for the book and, you know, magic and any sort of like fairy tale story in general. So when we get to uh, this, and in this episode, we don't, we see edges of it. We see, um, as Pete's saying, the animator key is what I'm calling it. I don't know what the official name is. Um, it brings a Caliban to life, uh, which Gordy Shaw sees, who spouts a little Shakespeare, but is mostly like just a little gremlin. Come on, uh, man. His performance cool. uh, delivers some of those lines. I was moved. I yeah, was wow, moved. you were moved by the tiny Caliban. <laughs> Yeah, you that's what's going to get you. It was the first time you've seen yourself represented on exactly. screen. Exactly, I was like, "Oh my god!" Um, <laughs> I thought that was great. I love that yeah. animation there at the beginning. I'm, I'm with you, Justin. I understand. I definitely felt for you while I was watching this oh, episode man, because I was, I was like, "Okay, it's coming, it's coming." And then they went to do his head into Gordy's head. And I was like, here we go. We're going to get that Tempesty yeah, that Justin's yeah. been asking for. And we did, and we got a rehearsal instead. But I think this is emblematic of what we've always talked about with this show and the, the way this show rolls is, would it be great to see the comic book live on screen? Absolutely. But it's already from very early on gone in its own direction, gone its own wheeze. Even in the previous episode, we saw it with Sparrow, which like, they didn't try to make a live adaptation of Sparrow. And I think when we were talking with Meredith Averill, the co-showrunner, she said as much about these things that what, if I remember correctly, that like they're not trying to do a straight adaptation of the comic book. They're trying to make it work for TV, for streaming, for Netflix. And the way this story rolls out here over the course of this episode, it's about the locks, but it's very much about Gordy Shaw this background character, what it means to be a background character in okay, the world right, right, of right, wait, wait, yeah. before, before And I thought move, they crushed that. Before Agreed. we move on, I agree. I completely agree. But before we move on and talk about this very moving of the kid that, like, you know, high school is already crazy enough and, like, dealing with so much, like, it's a, it's a tough time to be a kid and see Gordy, who we've mentioned a lot, like, have his moment, how heartbreaking it was. I really wanted to go back and just finish talking about Caliban because with the <laughs> animation on this was not only phenomenal, but the fact that, like, you know, uh, everything we've seen about the dad is like this. He's the was the greatest man ever. We're seeing him like as a kid and maybe a little bit of a darker side to him. And the fact that like there was this little demon for a little while that spouted Shakespeare. And I think maybe one of the uh, most moving renditions uh, uh, of all time. And like wow. was, what an insult to actors everywhere. <laughs> Uh, well, whatever. But like, I thought his delivery and the chaos really said something uh, about it. But anyways, uh, can I, I can I just interrupt real quick? I would say that that Caliban is a classically trained monster. OK. Yeah. All right. All right. Um, I've seen I was in class with that Caliban monster for a while. <laughs> and he's got some good moves. His two hope, gentlemen like, of his two gentlemen of Verona is fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> it, uh, you know, if he can do it, then it gives me hope for for me understanding it eventually. But I just think it's one of those things <laughs> where not only was it magical and kind of like uh, revealed so much uh, about things, but it was also like 
such a moment of chaos that foreshadowed like how insane this episode was going to be and how ill-equipped they are with these keys. Uh, I just, I love the choice. I thought the, also the, whoever designed Caliban like made it uh, uh, just like, such a it wasn't like the scariest thing you've ever seen but like I, I was just really impressed with the design of it and makes me uh you know even appreciate the comics anymore because of the attention to detail that we got in the comics the attention to detail the caliban here was phenomenal yeah. and very much like in the the tempest the play uh caliban is like sort of a monster but also sort of a human he's mm-hmm. a character that you are meant to feel sorry for and identify with he's the son of a witch it, it didn't um, really move like this, but it struck me as like one of those Ray Harryhausen things from yeah. uh, Clash of the Titans Clash and of the whatever. Titans. Yeah, it definitely, yes, it definitely felt like that sort of just running around. So I, I agree. I love that. I was really impressed with the CGI there, particularly because yeah. it seems like they rely a lot laudably on more practical effects. Like yeah. the thing towards the end, maybe it was just layering of the different frames. Maybe it was something they did in post, but that last shot of what is it? It's Kinsey, Tyler and Ellie are trapped inside Gordy's mind. And it's just his images of him yeah. flashing uh, by in a circle. So, cool. so effective and so yeah. simple. Well, and that's what I wanted to say about sort of not seeing The Tempest. I think uh, the actual production of it, which is about sort of Rendell. And this episode wasn't about him. We've sort right. of we've done a lot of time, spent a lot of time doing episodes and learning about Rendell. Uh, we have the episode where it focused on Nina dealing with seeing her back when she was an alcoholic, which was about Rendell sort of being the steadfast parent and being supportive of her. And so this episode wasn't about him at all. It was about Gordy. It was about all of the side characters in all of our stories and them finding their moment. Uh, And we, it is, his moment sucks. (laughs) So sad. He's he's sort of deserved to die. There was no reason. He's pushed around. He's dead, dead. Come on, man. We're in a magical show that can do a lot of things. So let's come out. Absolutely. Gordy's got to live, man. Uh, uh, so, well, wait, I guess actually, I have a question about that because I was a little confused with the action given that there were two Gordys lying on the floor. Exactly. Uh, so, is the one with the key in the house or is the one without the key? Where Where are the two Gordys right now? As we I the think my the ambulance has got the fake Gordy. Okay. And then uh, Rufus has got the real Gordy. That's what I think as well because um, obviously we did, I thought for sure we were going to see the Gordy in the ambulance vanish when the Gordy mm-hmm. in the garage died. And may- maybe we will see that um, next episode since we were left in such a cliffhanger. Um, but I but- guess they get new ambulance people. It depends on the shift because I missed the old ambulance team. Yeah, for, for the sure. season one. Yeah. Uh, well, I don't know if you saw this in the credits, but one of the paramedics co-wrote this episode, actually. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> oh, really? Wow. I know. Wow. Well, I'll what tell you what. I mean, I did, while we're jumping around and just generally talking about the episode here, when I saw that title card, that credit card flash up by the end that this Wait, episode... we had to put in our credit card at the end? Yeah, no, to... uh, we flashed Pete LePage's credit card at the end of the episode <laughs> if anybody wanted the information. Every five minutes, man, Netflix is charging yeah, out the Gabriel wazoo Gabriel Rodriguez called me and he was just like, hey, man, I just need your credit card and you yeah. get to be on the Hello, show. And I was like, all right. me, Gabriel Rodriguez, artist of luck, and can you give me yeah. your credit card? Wow. <laughs> uh, that's us. What he's, he's a little bit more, he's got a younger kind of bouncing I think he was doing. I think he's he was like, doing an impression of someone stealing from you. Yeah. Yes, oh, like doing I was not doing an impression. Everybody knows my 
Gabriel Rodriguez impression is pristine, but I won't do it here. I won't. Okay. What I did want to say though is, so this episode was co-written by Carlton Hughes, who's one of the co-showrunners, and Joe Hill. And in particular, when I saw Joe's name, it really uh, like crisped in for me about this episode. Like, oh, of course. There's probably been a question that he's had for years or gotten for years of, hey, what happens if you die? What if yeah. what happens if the person whose head you're in dies? What what is the result? And so it's just like this very simple not to give him all the credit here because obviously it's a team and whatever. But that feels to be like a very Joe Hill idea of like answering the simple question in the most gut wrenching emotional way possible. So however yeah. it was executed, I think they nailed it there. Wait, wait. I just wanted to see if I understand this. So you watched this episode and then uh, saw when the curtain disappeared. You were like, oh, of course. The question that we've all been wondering is if you're in somebody's head and they die, what happens to you? That was the first thing you thought of? No, but that's how Joe writes this stuff, right? Like he yeah. he questions what is going on. He asks uh, very simple things. And if there is like a simple question that you can answer in a really emotional way, he digs into it. That's true of Lock and Key. That's true of his short stories, his novels, everything. They already always start in these very like uh, – pitch friendly places where it's like, Oh, I get what that's about. That's good. And then it just puts the characters through the ringer in a gut wrenching way. Well, and let me sort of adding on to that. Um, and, and talking about the tempest of it all, it, it felt like, especially seeing Joe's involvement here, it felt like they took something, which was a big theatrical presentation of the original keepers of the keys and Rendell's vision for putting on a great production of a Shakespeare show and put that on Gordy. So mm-hmm. we got to see a character who was left out of the the original theatrical production. Oh. We got to see his theat- huge theatrical production that is always happening inside of his head. And we got to experience that. That was the Tempest for this episode. And we literally saw the Tempest as he's dying and the characters are inside his brain and everything's swirling. It's just like uh, when Prospero is feeling that in the original play. So I think they took something that was very straightforward. So we and that they did see, get to see the Tempest. That's, the, so saying. that's my point. I think we saw something that was very straightforward in the comics and they said like, you know what? We can raise this a notch. We can use this in a different way. So we're not just telling wow. the story again. Uh, this is, uh, this show's coming out um, right after The Sandman um, on Netflix comes out, which I think uh, is a show where they're really very faithfully translating the comic for a lot of it. And honestly, I prefer a little bit of a take on it. I mm-hmm. prefer this, even though I missed something that I thought I was going to see. I like that they brought The Tempest to a new place that I would not have expected. So that, um, I really like this episode. I agree with you. I, and I think this is what I was getting towards earlier in terms of like representing the thing on screen, whether it works or not, taking chances, figuring out what you think you being creators think works for TV. That's great. Lean into the medium that you're doing the thing for. And I I mean, speaking about mediums and like pivoting off that a little bit, the stuff inside Gordy's head was so well executed and so well directed. Yeah. Oh I loved God. the theatricality of like, the lights coming on and off it, you know, so to keep comparing TV shows, I don't know if you guys watched euphoria, but the last two episodes of the season of euphoria did a similar thing where it was like a stage show, but telling the story of the show and backstory. And in my opinion, it, didn't work like they were trying too much and they were doing the euphoria whoa, thing. And like, I'm not here just for going all over the place. Euphoria, all right? I'm oh. not just going to sit here and let you do that. All right. Oh, wow. God. Pete actually runs the euphoria fan board. Yeah, yeah. So euphoricp.com. 
<laughs> anyway, uh, my point being that I think like they really use the theatricality really nicely here, uh, use the backstage really nicely, even though it was ludicrously over the top, uh, seeing those moments of like Gideon at the piano and everything playing the piano. Very fun. I love that. I love that. So good. Piano. Are you talking about a piano? Oh yeah. Pete doesn't like how I pronounce the word piano. Yeah. yeah. Well, now you're saying all right, but the first yeah. time I, said, I don't yeah, know like, the difference. Let's not spend okay. time. We've been right. having you're this fight for like a second. Sure. I, I, I just want to. I want to talk a little bit about the Gordy Shaw of it all, and like. Was I loved how we saw him on the phone, and he's kind of like, "Hey, you know, uh, I was just thinking maybe I could be one of the uh, one of just one of the soldiers, you know, one of the uh, soldiers that get to interact with." And I was just like, "Oh my god!" That just that one little line, like I know who this person is, and then you get to see like his kind of theatrical journey of like knowing all the lines but not uh, being right for a part, and like just that heartbreak. Uh, I don't know about you, Justin. I mean, you're classically trained, so I assume. You got every part you auditioned for, but as somebody who uh, struggled with uh, uh, memorizing the lines and memorizing song and dance, like you know, I got my heart broken a couple of times. So it was yeah. it was it was tough to relive, a little triggering. Well, I think that for sure, like um, Gordy is every theater nerd who uh, doesn't get the part when some like. Slick doesn't give a shit. Other actor comes in and gets the lead in the form of Rendell Lock here. Um, but like, I, I think you were meant to uh, follow his love of theater, despite the fact that he doesn't get to participate in in mm-hmm. his memory in high school. He gets he dedicates his life to it. We get some flashes of him opening the Matheson Theater. Yeah, which um, is he cool. Get, he he found a successful life uh, in the theater. And he seemed happy and had a nice, like, house. Nice house, yeah, for sure. um, We got to see him uh, fall in love at one point. Um, We see him, surprisingly, we see him come out uh, at one point and then with with someone else that he seems to be in love with. So we did get to see his life. We we saw this quote-unquote side character's life, which is... His line from the beginning, like, someday I'm going to matter. Yeah, one of these days I'm going to matter to you. Yeah, huge line. And, And I think it's... There's a great comment on life there. Like he does matter, but it's not in the worst way possible. When really the rest of his life mattered, and he had a, he had a nice life that he gets to you know, that flashes in front of his eyes and Kinsey's and and these other people's lives yeah. who aren't meant to be there, and we get to see it as well. Oh, also, I mean, he was he was a baller too. Like the fact that uh, this guy breaks into his house and then he just grabs like a, a statue or something is like, I'm not afraid of you. It goes at him. Like, yeah, that was a baller move. Like, all right, dude, you're going to let's do this. Like, I was impressed with Gordy. Well, I think he's like, I'm not a side character. I'm not going to yeah. let you come in my home. I'm going to be a hero here. And it's a bummer that he just gets stabbed and presumably. <laughs> Uh, we don't dies. know if he, we don't know we don't know we, we don't, don't know. know well there's a lot else that was going on in this episode as well that we should probably talk through um that's happening outside uh, mostly a bunch of talking they're trying to figure out what's going on with the harlequin chest throughout oh, that this was episode fun. again this very fun. Fun. such a fun, fun sequence yeah, just like the whole thing of like she thinking she's a bad mom for this, and they're just like, oh, just trial and error, hilarious. The fact that it just rained on the chest was hysterical. 
Uh, yeah, very a lot of jokes yeah. for this this yeah. side story. Also, we got chest. to see the car, which was great when they went outside. So that was exciting. Tyler's car is still there. Well, I think that's appropriate, right? All the stuff that's happening with Gordy is very adventurous and it's very big, like a lot of this episode. But it also is leading up to this emotional climax that, like we've been talking about, is heartbreaking. So on the other side, you have not to slight Gordy, but almost the more important thing that's happening is them trying to protect and get into the Harlequin chest. Wow. Yeah. Look at you siding the side wow. character. Wow. How dare you, Alex? Wow. Sorry, man. Wow. Save hashtag save. They're Gordy. not going to get into that. Jess, there's but no my way. My point is that it provided a nice bit of levity for something that for the overall plot of the season is probably one of the most important things that they're doing. And all of those moments there, Nita and Bodhi's frustration about it. Super, super fun. Also, um, the talk about like medium Josh and Bodhi being right. Like, listen, we can't just truck trust this guy. He was after the black door. Like, that's suspicious. And mom well, being like, yo, listen, I, you know, I, I'm all in. And I'm glad that Bodhi's a little like, hey, let's puff our brakes, mom. Maybe think a little bit, you know? Honestly, that was very concerning to me. Bodhi is the, the truth teller. He's the man. He's the kid who says what's up. Yeah. The fact that he was like, can we trust Josh at this late date in the in the season and series really made, got me a little worried that hot Josh is a little too hot to handle here. Going you think hot Josh set. is going to become not Josh? Yeah, I think we could get a. I mean, that definitely gave me pause. An episode where we don't really see hot Josh or not Josh. It, what's going to happen here at the end? Team not Josh. <laughs> it, it made me it made me think that either because for the season, I felt like. They're actually a, a match, and we're going to end the series with them being together. It made me think, like, is Josh going to do something rash? Hot rash? We're going to get a hot rash <laughs> don't situation? Do don't do that. Don't. <laughs> oh, no? Not that? No, 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 not, Josh, no, no. not Josh no. hot rash? <laughs> no, no. no uh, is he no, going to sacrifice Josh hot rash block drawer? Stop it. Stop. Gin chowder. We have a lot of catchphrases on this show. Yeah. Uh, this is a little preview, actually. The last episode of our show is just going to be a half hour of us spouting nonsense. <laughs> no I versus. got bad news for you, Alex. It's I got bad news for Alex. For a long time. It's been that for a while. Yeah, yeah. But my point is, like, it made me question whether they're going to sort of uh, end up together. Is Josh going to do something rash, sacrifice himself to try to prove that he's a hero so that Mm. That Bodhi can really trust him. Like, there's just a lot. It casts into doubt the future of Hot Josh. Yeah. Uh, I want to throw something out at you guys that I was thinking about in the episode. Um, why don't they run sooner? Why didn't once they get the key? Why didn't they just start running to get out of there instead of like taking? I mean, that's time? a good question. Another good question is why do they even get the key? Just leave Gideon in the head. But I won't get into that. My bigger Agre- question is about agreed. the hiding place where we get this flashback. Well, not flashback because they see it in the head uh, in Gordy's head, but of Ellie hiding the key in. Prospero's Prospero's cloak in the pocket there. And then Aaron is like, no, that's a bad hiding space. I'm going to hide it. And as we find out later in a piano key where anybody can find it, I feel like the first hiding place was better. Well, yes, I definitely agree with you there. Um, But like, so we're in, uh, we're in Gordy's head <laughs> sure. and they're like, we can't put it in that coat. We have to put it in the piano, which is like 10 feet away in someone's brain. I was like, I think, <laughs> I, I think, think anything is yeah, fine. It's all good. Just throw <laughs> yeah. it on the floor. You're fine. <laughs> but let me say, I think exactly. I think the point being 
Prospero's coat is where Rendell would look for it, and they're hiding mm. it from Rendell. In the okay. piano, uh. he wouldn't look because mm. he Rendell's like, well, I'm. We don't know, but you're assuming that Rendell's playing Prospero. Um, Anybody else impressed that Gideon can play the piano so well? Was it nobody else thrown by that? I thought that was great. That was, I thought it was great too. I ruffled. There was like, where I was like, what? <laughs> yeah, there was a moment where I had the reaction like, hold on, <laughs> and then I loved it, and it did matter. Yeah. Well, yeah. let me just say, like, in an episode where it's all about the side character, what a come up for Gideon in this episode from start Dude, to finish. Fun, hanging his hat out the window, just feeling the breeze. Sh- I was like, now I get it. He's a shaggy dog. Of course he doesn't care about his hair. He's yeah. an animal. He's He wants to drive fast and stick his head out the window <laughs> like any country dog. <laughs> uh, I thought that was hilarious. Um, and in a moment where he goes from being threatening to goofy as hell. And then Ellie, they threatens her with a knife, go faster. And then uh, Ellie so like, gets away for a second. We got a sandbag to the head. I mean, anytime I see a set piece, I'm hoping for a sandbag to the head. That it's felt a like a classical thing that never gets old. And I love it every time it happens. It's both of those moves felt like it was the most serious version of a cartoon fight possible. <laughs> with sandbag yeah. to the head and then dropping a piano on Sam. Flipping the piano on Sam, I was yeah. like, it was a big off, flip. Was, it was a big flip. It wasn't yeah. just a regulation. It was like extra on it. Uh, definitely felt bad. Like uh, Sam sacrificed there. Uh, like I, I hope he also gets rescued from the head. Mm, I'm yeah. ass- which I'm assuming is what we're going to see. Be crazy if they're like, nope, those characters are done. It's the Bodie and Nina show for the rest of the uh, episode. <laughs> but yeah. I mean, oh, yeah. it, Kids and Tyler Nina's- died. Sorry about that. Yeah. I, d- I was Whoa. happy with how Nina handled the whole Sam thing. Like, I was worried that that was going to be a lot of the episode. And, like, I thought they handled it really well. She struggled with it. She accepted the fact that Kinsey jumped in, Tyler jumped in. I thought it w- they handled that perfectly. Yeah. Uh, yes, that was all good stuff. Any other moments from the episode we should call out in particular? Oh, I, I did want to mention right towards the beginning when Ellie is driving Gideon to go find Gordy Shaw at the beginning and he puts his head out the window like a dog. Very fun as well. Yeah. Shaggy yeah. dog. Yeah, you, you uh, didn't. Justin just went on a whole rant about that and that wasn't good enough for you. You had to. Oh, sorry. He He likes to take it to <laughs> his own. He's doing his own interpretation. It's like when okay. many different characters, p- people play a different role. I agree. That was Alex's take on Shaggy Dog. Mine <laughs> yeah. was a shaggier Shaggy Dog. I was dog distracted version. by the piano and I missed it. Oh, I'm sorry. Stop, That's definitely stop, what I thought. Stop um, saying that word. You're piano. killing every, every time you say it. Okay. It so we got to talk about Rufus, too. Like at the end there, that was... It was heartbreaking. I really didn't want him to call the cops. You guys are dealing with magical keys. The cops aren't going to understand. You can't bring him in this late in the game. But he does it to try to save Gordy Shaw's life, which is respectful. you got to respect Rufus for that. But then answering the door with blood all over your shirt, I mean, oh, come on, Rufus. Well, he's on. the only one there. There's a, a second corpse in the garage. <laughs> like, he is, Rufus is in lot. trouble. He's doing <laughs> yeah. a lot, yeah. Uh, so worried about Rufus for sure. Um, one thing I want to say again about Gideon is this happened, I think, last episode. And again here, Gideon making the case that humans are just as bad as demons. They're just yeah. on a different side of this portal wall. So that feels like a theme, something they're really talking about here and working with. And they do a lot to make Gideon very scary. And like the stabbing of Gordy was horrifying. But then they they humanize him as well, like him like enjoying driving fast in a car, 
playing the piano, having this conversation about how humans are just as bad as demons. Like, I'm curious in the next episode, it, are, what's the turn going to be? Is he going hmm. to be like, hey, I'm just like you, and the locks are going to sort of realize that and defeat him that way? Or is he going to be a true evil mastermind that they have to destroy at the end? Or a goofy Scooby-Doo villain where they do a thing where they're running down different hallways you know, and, and then they eventually run. What I would the- love to do is uh, in the last episode, they go up to Gideon and they're like, wait a second, that's not Frederick Gideon. That's old man Dodge. And they go to take his face off, but it's just like his face and they'd slowly peel oh. his skin off and there's just muscle and bone under there. That'd be cool. Also, oh, sorry, peel- just before I forget, I wanted to mention one of my absolute favorite parts of the episode is when Gideon is in the car. Look at you. Yeah. You're giddy. You're giddy. You're, you're laughing at You're funny. I'll tell you you're one thing I'm not going to miss is that bone noise, <laughs> that bone crunching noise of every time a key goes in the back of a neck. It is brutal. Mm-hmm. I agree with that. Yes. Yeah. So, any other moments we want to mention from the episode? I think we covered a good chunk of it here. I just I thought it was hilarious when Bodie said, well, this is going to be harder than I thought. Mm-hmm. Great stuff. So, well, why don't we talk about our key moment of the episode, and we can throw in a little bit of predictions for the finale as well. Pete, over to you. All right. Um, Gordy Shaw, you know, living or dying here is really going to make or break if they stay stuck behind the curtain uh, or if they can make it out on time. Uh, Even if they bring them back to life for a couple seconds and the curtain appears and they jump out, you know, kind of like do a kind of action dive out of it. But um, Mm. (laughs) Gordy's head explodes. (laughs) Tiny versions of them dive out of his ear. (laughs) Um, that's good. I mean, I think that is definitely a key moment or cliffhanger is right where we, um, it's hard to talk about anything else. There is one other thing I want to say. Um, Gordy, before he was stabbed, was on the phone talking about how he booked a celeb for Shakespeare by the Cove. Who do you think he got? (laughs) What celeb do you think he's bringing into Matheson to roll? I think David Schwimmer. Yeah. Wow. <laughs> wow. Okay. Wow. That's sort of believable. He's wow. got that friend's money. He likes to just, he does it for the thrill of the, the exactly. game. You know, he's out there acting. Um, I was going to say Bronson, Bronson Pinchot would be Ooh, my that's another good one. I was going to, uh, who Balky played Bartokis. the first? Yeah, well, I know who Belki is. Uh, do you know, uh, I'm totally blank on the actor's name, played the first uh, Bruce Banner? Uh First Bruce Banner? Yeah, yeah, yeah. In, in the, the TV Eric show? Bana I, is who you're thinking Eric of. Eric Bana, yeah, yeah, exactly, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not Bruce Boxley. No, in the Ang Lee, it was, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. Eric Bana, the Australian actor. They're going to yeah. fly him over? Yep. Expensive flight? Okay. Expensive flight. Eric Bana and Thomas Jane in Two Gentlemen. Oh, for oh, oh, They're the two what gentlemen. A, what a dumb <laughs> Uh, do you have predictions, though, Justin, other than that, well, predictions for the final episode. A couple things that are still floating in the air, like we spent some time put locking the Wheeler sisters in the mirror at the top of the season. They coming back? That feels mm. like a sort of strange dangling idea. Like, um, And they had a lot of energy, like we serve Gideon, Gideon's cool. Uh, I feel like we would have to see them again. Tell you what, though, you can't spell Gideon without gin. 
That's one hundred percent. The Wheeler sisters bring. It. I want to see the origin of the gin. Maybe yeah. They get out of the mirror and they're like, "Well, you know it actually great? it started with they were making chowder and they're like, what goes really well with this? Gin, gin, the yeah. ultimate mixer, uh, <laughs> gin and chowder. So that's one thing. Uh, my big thing that I throw out there. Uh, this isn't the key moment for the episode. I agree. It's the ending. Like, what is going to happen with them trapped inside Gordy's head? Are they dead? Are they gone? I don't think so. But how do they get out of that? I don't know. The big thing is the demon portal. I want to see, is that going to suck all of Keyhouse in? Is it going to take out Matheson? It seemed like it was just chilling there. Yeah, it's just chilling there. But uh, presumably Gideon's going to get all of the keys and open it up even further. And are we going to have that, like... Like we talked about, Beffy the Vampire Slayer, Hellmouth finale, where all of Matheson gets sucked in. Is it going to go in another direction? Very well, nice. I, th- I thought it was very funny that they, like, in the midst of Nina and Bodhi's, like, fun with the Harlequin chest, they look over and it's like, oh, yeah, the portals <laughs> in the living room. Watch now, out for that Put a rug thing. over that or something. Come on. Yeah. I think, uh, I think what's going to happen is we're going to see uh, in the last episode – uh, Gideon's going to have all the keys and just when he's kind of distracted by putting it together, they're going to do a sandbag to his nuts and he's going to fall in. <laughs> the sandbag to the nuts is how they went. Wow. Very yeah. America's Funniest Home Videos. I mean, I think a couple <laughs> other things. Um, Sam Lesser has sort of redeemed himself. I feel like we need one more turn of that to really um, get him out the door. Um, I feel like we're going to see Rendell. We need a goodbye for Rendell. I'd like to see that. Does Chamberlain get to get off his little bench and come hang for a minute? Oh, uh, I feel come like on. It's about or just to get cut to him family. and be like, Chamberlain, we need your help. And I'll be like, no, thanks. Yeah. <laughs> I'm good. Is, would love the birds. Yeah. Send uh, me your credit card info. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and will, I guess, will everyone make it out of this episode, this final episode? Yeah. We'll see. That's actually the big one, probably even bigger than what's going to happen, is, is it going to wrap up at the end? Like, that's legitimately the thing that I'm most nervous about at this point, is clearly, like, they're telling the story they want to tell, but we don't necessarily know, like, we know they wrapped it up, but is there still going to be a cliffhanger there? Is there going to be a tease for more? Is it going to leave us with feeling like, oh, bummer, there's no fourth season, or is it going to be a satisfying ending? That's my big question, I think, going into the finale. I would. I want to predict that I think they will. They've known they were building toward an ending. I feel like I trust these storytellers on this show to be like, if this is an ending, let's bring it to a close. Mm-hmm. I feel like there'll be a classic nod um, to like more keys or there's, there's always more to do. There's more in the comic books. There's a, so yeah. much more. Uh, it's very funny that this season's coming out at the same time Sandman's coming out because the comic, the most recent Lock and Key comic was a fantastic Sandman crossover. Yeah. Uh, so it feels like we could just do that, but that's v- such a long just shot. Just transfer no them on over there. I guess yeah. we'll see what happens. I guess we'll see. I'm very excited to Can't watch wait. this final episode. If you'd like to support this podcast and all the podcasts we do, patreon.com slash comic book club. Also, we do a live show every Tuesday night at 7 p.m. to Crowdcast and YouTube. Come hang out. We would love to chat with you about Lock and Key, Apple, Spotify, Stitcher, or the app of your choice to subscribe, listen, and follow the show at Lock and Key Pod on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook, comicbookclublive.com for this podcast and many more. Until next time, keep it locked right here. So just one second. Oh, Gordy? You want me to play <laughs> in Shakespeare by the Cove? I would be honored. What? I would be honored. Wow.